The following podcast is protected under the laws of the United States. Unauthorized duplication, distribution, or exhibition may result in civil liability, criminal prosecution, and the wrath of the tall man. And I'll skip the Angus Scrim voice for that. Um, I always joke around that, like, we gotta um, do a Phantasm reboot with Gwendolyn Christie from Game of Thrones, Brienne of Tarth, in other words... Captain Phasma. Very appropriate. But I digress. So, this podcast is being completely done on the Podbean app for iPhone. So, it's simple to create your own free little podcast. Can't believe I'm doing the self-promotion for the... Well, not self-promotion. Promotion for this company. But good service. So, just trust me and enjoy the show. Thanks for checking out 90 for Chill, the podcast. This is your host, Catbus Russ is what all my fellow podcasters know me by. If you want to follow what I'm watching, you can do that on Letterboxd. The username is CMDarth, as in Cool Movies Darth. And if you need to fill your home with the dulcet tones of one Catbus Russ, you can do that by asking your Amazon Echo or Google Nest device to... Play podcast by Russ Stevens, and that should get you there. And uh, this week, no guests. I've just, you know, about two hours ago, concluded B-Fest, the 24-hour B-movie marathon, as they say, a display of the best and the worst uh, movies of all time, which... Uh, This year, I think I was a little more critical going into it. I think, though, uh, movie-wise, better selection. You know, just not a lot of deep hurting as, like, the previous year we had. So, this is my second B-Fest. Didn't get anything in the raffle. So, that tells you that it was a lot more crowded this time around. So, that's good to know that we're getting there. So, um, yeah, just to talk about it. Uh, I got there a little late, so I didn't catch the first half-hour Gator uh, with Burt Reynolds. I can't recall if it's the sequel or the film that White Lightning is the sequel to. But, again, I digress. I guess uh, it wasn't quite for me. You know, it really depends if you... I think it's definitely for the boomers, dare I say, the people who were raising the idea that Burt Reynolds was the epitome of masculinity. So... Uh, but you know, it's goofy, it's Burt being Burt, and so it doesn't really say much about him as an actor, dare I say. Um, Larry Reed is the man who controls this small town who hires Gator McCluskey, played by Burt Reynolds, to kind of be his enforcer, is plenty hateable and he's got some interesting henchmen which you know there's moments of levity but it's a pretty dark story when you kill a cat woman to cover up your crime so in other words too many felines for me to really recommend that movie so if you like Bert I'm sure you'll get it I mean this is definitely if you really dug Archer's obsession with Burt Reynolds or relate to it it's probably worth your time. 
uh, just, well, too long, though, in my opinion. And then, yeah, it's just so much stuff like show and don't tell or is being screamed at the conclusion of the movie. So uh, then it was followed up, I believe, by A Big Man Japan, a mockumentary. I, I knew of this story. I knew it was a comedy about fighting kaijus in Japan. Uh, I didn't really know it was a mockumentary, but it was a lot of fun uh, getting to see just taking the piss out of the entire idea of documentaries in general and seeing the cultural change of a time where we celebrated fighting kaiju and then it's like oh you know it can't be good for the environment look at all the electricity that are wasted the visuals are just so brilliant uh, the humor is just dry as all hell which is something up my alley and then the conclusion of the feature is just uh, absolutely insane and definitely worth your time to watch, especially the end credits. So, again, too long for 90 for Chill, the podcast, to wreck it, um, you know, to include in my um, inventory. I'll probably still put a link to it, but, you know, no little asterisks, meaning it's in contention through this year's best of list. But, um, yeah, I mean, the joke line from that movie was an attack used in the movie called Baby or Die. So that's um, where that movie went. And it's kind of like, oh, we're else? I'll just pull up the list. But yeah, I think it was a you know, pretty memorable night, though. So uh, Friday, uh, the... I think there was probably something I'm missing that's definitely worth noting. Trying to get back to that lineup oh cool uh then we followed the that up with a very weird uh short film called the adventure which is about just a couple of retirees looking at a new community to possibly move into and that's where they are suddenly stopped in the middle of their road their travels to find a good picnic spot by a mime who's insisting he's in trouble and eventually there are more mimes and there's a great display of dedication to it uh a lot of people are calling for the sponsor of this video uh this feature which is only 22 minutes long um like okay uh like you owe me more than just little free cups we got or something along those lines but i you know it's such a great observation pick there's only one person who's reviewed it on letterbox and he gave it, I think he gave it four and a half, but, you know, the system, the algorithm, the picture, they put it at a five star. So I only felt it was appropriate to give it a four and a half. It's definitely something I think um, worth uh, checking out. Uh, from there, we went back to um, a movie called X the Unknown which is a hammer feature from 1956 about something radioactive coming out of the moors of Scotland. And you have, it's interesting for a hammer feature to just have a token American actor, especially as a primary protagonist. Um, So it's kind of everything you expect of a British feature. I will say Um, I, I kind of enjoy that little bit of anglo charm so 
I shouldn't say Anglo. It's got a lot of Scottish actors. Uh, I'm sorry for fuddling around with the phone so much. That gets caught on the uh, audio or the recording. There I say, ouch. Sorry, I just uh, ended up sending my foot wrong. Um, But it eventually ends up just being like, I don't want to say precursor to the blob. I'd have to go and look that up. Um, I think that was Steve Crane's first movie. So we're talking um, 56, so two years before Dracula, before Hammer really got into their stride. So I thought it was um, it was a, just a bit of fun. Um, not too silly. It really, you just have to appreciate Hammer being able to do this movie with virtually no monster in it, dare I say. Um and it uh, even has some great effects of people melting. So then uh, we will go into the annual showing of Plan 9 from Outer Space. And this is, this is the first time, I mean, with it being uh, you know three times as large as last year's, at least audience-wise, getting to see all the participation. Um, you're, you know, mocking how they're handling guns, the... Bella, not Bella, and just calling out Tor Johnson whenever he's on, and we did do a Steve Austin to um Tor Johnson. Sorry, buddy. Um, so it's it's a, it's a lot of fun, but this one I really kind of and realized how bad a movie Plan Nine is, and it's primarily dialogue in all honesty. So, but um, you know, then I go back and look at what I reviewed it as last year. No, it's still the same so maybe I just uh i try to have fond memories of plan nine and mst3k we follow that up by the annual showing of the wizard of space and time a three minute short film from 1979 i want to say and it, it's just fun goofy and I ended up putting a hat giving it another half star just a fun little short uh very inoffensive and uh again this year we got more people getting to interact with it, so we even get some shadow performances of a Rocky Horror Picture Show. So yeah, it's just a better crowd. And with that said, um, I did spot like between after movies there was somebody doing a podcast. Uh, they had a nice little mic additionally to their phone, but I mean the iPhone, and I'm working with an eleven here, is uh, I would say pretty cool. Or the microphone works well enough for me. I I just wouldn't do it with want to have a better microphone in a crowd because you got people because they did it right in front of the door, uh, to the auditorium. So you got people just walking in and out throughout that time. Um, it was tougher to find a spot to sleep. Like I was actually chilling out, uh, making some good comments, getting some interactions with some uh, fellows who came down from Wisconsin. I didn't get too many details. You know, you got your Packers and your um, Brewers caps. So teaching them out a bl- bunch of blokes talking about uh, movies that they would think about showing, like The Chase with Charlie Sheen, Christy Swanson, Henry Rollins, and two of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, just to name a few. And I didn't even mention the fact you have the entire sex scene in that situation. Uh, what that came about, though, was seeing all these movies with car phones that were pre, you know, 1980, essentially, or 80-ish, you know, so it's kind of like, what the hell? And, hey, you know, the technology's always been there. 
like the electric car, but I will digress. Um, and then we had the midnight, I mean, after midnight, after plan nine, it's usually what I think is considered the deep hurting time of the night. Last year, it started with the night of a thousand cats, which I think Tarantino's a fan of after doing some research on that one. Uh, he's, you know, Hugo Stitzer from Inglorious Bastards. That's a name that came from Night of a Thousand Cats. I think it may have also been Blood Feast or something like that. Um, but it was a, I think, Brazilian shot feature from a Mexican director. Like, there's a bunch of history and it shouldn't have really worked. And there's not quite a thousand cats, I I think. Um, not too much cat killing though i mean when you got a thousand i can't blame you like well we got allowance and i'll give you an allowance like as i say i watch Stuart gordon movies cats get it all the time there so uh but so just to kick off this deep hurting period it was actually um a feature called uh the children from 1980 which was distributed by trauma so that honestly that's not deep hurting. Trauma could give you something very boring, but it's so ridiculous, or it's going to be so ridiculous you can't help but enjoy it. And this was the case with the children. A uh, feature that is about a school bus that passes through a radioactive waste cloud. Suddenly everybody on the school bus disappeared, but now you have the kids randomly showing up throughout towns basically hugging their family members who are distressed and finally seeing them. But they are very much determined to hug them so they can fry them with radiation. (laughs) And you get a goofy ending. The third act is a little messy, um, just trying to see how they can conclude it. But uh, it was was a good bit of fun. Some weird characters that... So, script could have been better. I probably shouldn't give him the three-star, but, you know, Big Man Japan got the four, Gator a one and a half. Um, So, I don't feel bad about that. Three stars for, yeah, so, it's probably better. It's probably not as good as X the Unknown, but it was fun in my opinion. And that's where I decided to take a nap. I wasn't going to double down, or dare I say triple down, on the deep hurting. Uh, last year, um, it was, essentially the deep hurting started with The Night of a Thousand Cats, and then was followed up by Food Fight, the still the worst movie I have ever seen. Uh, it's a cartoon, Charlie Sheen, and I think uh, one of the Duff sisters. It, it's not, I mean, oh, God. No, I I will probably have to watch after my uh, most recent podcast with Ray from Booze, Boobs, and Blood. I might have to watch the reboot of Jeepers Creepers just to see if that is the worst movie ever made. Or is it just not living up to the franchise? So, things I don't want to do and we'll hopefully forget about. So, I mean, Ray already made the claim on it, so... It's not a competition, or I don't want it to be painful, so let's not make it a competition. I look at the clock, it's about 8.13, so I know the bar closes at 10. I got um, some Bumble to look at and see if, oh, you know, 
tourist action, I suppose. Strong as I am, but I am only a man, so... Um, so the movies I skipped, uh, one was, uh, as I settled in to get a nap, had to find, once I found a row where I'm not gonna get in anybody's way, um, was, uh, okay, gotta pull it back up, pardon all the tapping, tap, 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 it was a Fiend Without a Face from 1958, which they actually got a Criterion disc for, so... They bet on me for saying, as I said, I just wasn't going to bet on it. I kn- knew one of them had to be bad because the follow-up movie was The Boy Who Cried Werewolf from 1973. So, yeah, it can't be 100%. Uh, so I woke up to watch American Ninja, the original Canon Group film from 1985. Whenever you see Canon Group at B-Fest, the, the fanfare is going to be great. So... Um, yeah, I woke up for that movie, and it's one of those, like, really silly in the fact that, gosh, this is actually more, you know, from a weird time, because it should have been a PG-13. You get some borderline gory stuff, um, like, you know, somebody, you get to see a throat slit and, you know, arrows in interesting places, shurikens, what have you, but it's pretty just by the number action movie i think it was fun but you know that you can definitely see all the weaknesses in it so uh so the afternoon was the big was a big lineup this year and i guess you could say they do that every year i i think last year was not the case um so i wanted to be ready for that so i took a nap during the taiwanese uh, feature they found which just really seemed very weird when I'm trying to fall asleep um, and I'm catching images like alright are they doing trailers what is this this can't all be connected so because I think they even throw a bit where like the seven dwarfs gets a big thing put on the screen as there but they find this uh, weird like blob birthed by a princess i think as i say i wasn't up for it because you know i got to save myself for the big movies which started with space camp um it's a movie i did not i mean i was very much aware of i went to space camp in 1992 in huntsville where they shot the movie which kind of made sense as i'm spotting stuff because i've been to kennedy space center and i've been to the um shoot forgot the name of the space center in uh i guess it is the johnson space center so um and what can i say it's just really just 80s let's make kids believe they can do anything and let's not be too creative with this like you're gonna send kids to space explorers right um so it never really piqued my interest, especially when I was at space camp and they just played the movie as background noise for the most part. And, you know, I'm not going to complain about the actors in it. I can complain about the characters. Joaquin Phoenix is a 12-year-old who's the reason why they end up getting shot into space because of a artificial stupidity, as I posted on Mastodon. Mastodon, my account is Russ Stevens at mastodon.social. Um, like, it's just, um, 
And then you get the problem of buying the characters um, being kids. Leah Thompson is one of the, is a maybe a senior in high school. She's going to Air Force Academy, but this is, film was 1986, a year after Back to the Future, where we already saw her as um, Marty McFly's mom. And then, um, so it was kind of like, yeah, uh, I think we've accepted her as an adult. And this is two years after Red Dawn and the same year as Howard the Duck. So, um, yeah, just very weird vibes there. And then you had um, a young Kelly Preston, who's definitely in her mid-20s playing a teenager. But this is a year after Mischief, so I guess we can uh, forgive that. Uh, then you have a guy who played teenagers and college kids all the time. I gotta look up his name. Bear with me again. Um, he was in Iron Eagle that year, Revenge of the Nerds 2 that year. So he played Lamar in the Revenge of the Nerds. That's probably what he's going to be best known for. Um, and again, I'm a supporter of the Revenge of the Nerds not being problematic because it's revenge. We don't say, well, you know... Um, I spit on your grave went too far. They may have said it in the seventies at the time, you know. But it's like, um, come on, you know. It's a movie about revenge. Revenge is very messy, and the actor I'm talking about is Larry B. Scott. So he's still working. So that's good. All right. So from space, but space camp is just so silly. Um. You know, Kate Capshaw doesn't screw it up. I'll give her credit there. Uh, you know, I could use a lot more Tom Skerritt, but I, he had Top Gun that year, so I digress. Um, but, yeah, it's like, why fear artificial intelligence when artificial stupidity, the little robot called Jinx, who's supposed, who's not ready for space, but forms a bond with Joaquin's Phoenix character of Max, who pretty much addresses everybody with Star Wars-esque, um question um dialogue which like uh, i just said it like yeah i'm docking it a whole star for that on letterbox so two and a half until joaquin phoenix really gets annoying and it's not joaquin's fault but yeah it's just like why are we feeling fearing skynet when it's like or artificial intelligence when we can program it to be pretty freaking stupid so you know focus on literals and absolutes and i think the computers won't catch up but you know as i'm saying let's not let's i've given up on humanity let's make it as great a place for kitties and um you know they they can be i think just overlords and a little more easy to di- deal with than computers at least for most people i think so from space camp uh this is where everything really gets rolling uh, the one that really said, yes, I got to be there, um, was Streets of Fire with uh, a Michael Perry starting, starring, as they say it on the freaking poster, Rock and Roll Fable, which uh, takes place in Chicago in a parallel world where, you know, Willem Dafoe can lead his biker gang to just kidnap um, front woman Diane Lane from the stage and it's 
up to Rick Moranis to hire his, her ex-boyfriend to come to the rescue for her. Um, so it gave, I, gave me a lot of vibes because, again, Diane Lane, uh, she was in the movie Mad Dog Time, uh, Jeff Goldblum uh, film, which is just very weird. Burt Reynolds again. There's just so many connecting pieces, I would say. Um, but uh, there's just so much to love about the presentation of uh, Streets of Fire. You know, tough chick punches out Bill Paxton, uh, the tough chick by uh, portrayed by Amy Madigan. Um, you got little Dottie from the actress played Dottie from Pee Wee's Big Adventure doing her Dottie type things. Uh, you got the like the hijacking of the Black Soul Group's bus as they're trying to make their escape from blowing pretty much torching the bar that Willem Dafoe's gang ran and then you get the sledgehammer fight between Michael Parry and Willem Dafoe I mean you know what's not the like um I, I guess the characters could be a little more like give me David Patrick Kelly from the Warriors or even from the Crow as T-Bird fire it up there was a weird bit in the night where they were doing uh just the crowd was doing um dialogue from uh oh geez what is his name you know i mean some somebody obviously said, you know the paraphrase the if not direct quoted the the bit from uh david patrick kelly's real introduction in the crow yeah there was a time where the cuyahoga river set on fire in cleveland wish i was there to see that um but let me see. Jeez, it's just such a great character who never gets his due, like David Patrick Kelly, I suppose. Um, Michael Wincott, yeah, doing a lot of his dialogue. So, yeah, um, when you go to these weird type worlds, I think the Warrior and the Crow do it better. But, you know, Walter Hill wanted a musical on his resume, and I think this one is uh, definitely worth a watch, which compared to the musical that followed it, Xanadu. Oh, gosh, yeah. Watch uh, Streets of Fire, skip Xanadu, my opinion. Um, on Mastodon, I was seeing a lot of people uh, tweeting, um, blogging about that, um, you know, and being a lot more uh, pleasant to it than I am. Or I should say I was. Um, I just don't think, like, there's some fun bits about Xanadu. I love that uh, the ELO music I love the um just the random animation but a uh, bit they had in the feature that's a story about um let's see you got Sonny who wants to be an artist but can't find his muse until a literal muse played by Olivia Newton-John Kira comes and visits him and he forms a friendship with uh just a retired guy who rich guy who loves playing clarinet out on the beach portrayed by gene kelly and they decide they're going to they're inspired to and he had a relationship with kira back in the day never did anything with it um so that's that's just they decide they're going to build a roller disco and gosh everything just feels very static and it's supposed to be on wheels so the numbers don't hold up there's very bad direction at points like 
And I know what the director was going for, visual effects and stuff, but it makes the wrong calls. And then there's just so many, like, let's put them here in, like, a green screen and put a static background and let them monologue. Like, it just does not work. And speaking of not working, that leads us to the main event of the evening, which was Blood Rain from 2005, Christina Locken, Michael Madsen, Michelle Rodriguez, Sir Ben Kingsley, as we like to say it, and Billy Zane has a special guest appearance. So, weird sag shit there from Uwe Bowl. And I'm not going to say it doesn't move, it moves all right, but it doesn't feel like you're learning anything about this world. Uh, so that tells you how the script is. Uh, and just because you have two cameras doesn't mean every action needs its own cut. So the guy has no clue and the movie just doesn't have any heart to it. Um, so I was trying to like do something for me and it's not any of the, yeah. Sir Ben could have put a little more into it. Billy Zane hammed it up. Michael Madsen will work on anything. So you know he was just collecting the paycheck. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez at least tried an accent. I mean, that's just the type of movie it is. Um, you know, it, I hear worse things about House of the Dead, so I'm glad I got, um, you know, just... Um, a sample of what Uwebol can or cannot do. But, um, yeah, so I wouldn't have closed the night with that. I would have probably made that the, uh, I guess people were just expecting the trauma movie, like, this is pretty ridiculous, nuclear kids, to not, um, to be divisive. So you didn't, so you put it early in the night, early in the morning, I should say, instead of, uh, uh, Basically, that's just it. We didn't have a kaiju movie except Big Man Japan. And I don't know if that could have closed it. Uh, just because of the nature of it. I think you do need something brief and punchy. And uh, there's a lot of punches. Unfortunately, you can't really tell with how Bull makes his cuts in Blood Rain. So, yeah. Um, so that's B-Fest. Um, I don't know what next week's going to look like on the show. I say that because I'm starting a new job, uh, another part, uh, part-time part job on top of my full-time job where I'm hoping I'm going to get 20-ish hours a week and get my life back together, uh, dare I say. Um, so I'm supposed to, you know, we're looking to uh, get um, Couchman Andrew TD on the show again, uh, Couchman Bakes on all his platforms, um, TikTok all-star. Uh, for Saturday, but, you know, I gotta try being a little enforceful with my new employee, like, not really on that one, like, I can go and tell him, like, look, can I not do this? Come on, I'm just getting into things. But the big thing will be, you know, uh, yeah, so I am definitely going to C2E2 at the end of March, and you can kiss my ass otherwise, so, I mean, hey, they got all my information. If they're listening to the podcast, management at the new job, hey, thanks. Um, but that's what's going to happen. So you have a heads up. A heads up has been made available. But, you know, we'll straighten all that out on Monday, I hope. So that's my life in a nutshell. Um, so 
Yeah, I mean, I guess the big thing for me about B-Fest is my ability or inability to be a social little butterfly. Um, I mean, I wore a sign on my back saying, hey, 90 for Chill the Podcast, be a guest. You know, I didn't bring my business cards, though, and that probably was a big drop. Because, you know, when you, I knew where they're going to podcast, so I could have thrown a card out there, I suppose, and just have it wait there. You know, oh, curiosity and cats, what can I say? So, um, you know, I hope at some point, I mean, you know, you just, a lot of my hopes would be make me kind of a judgmental person. Um, not really judgmental, well, a little bit. Like, I mean, I got friends on the show who just, don't want to rock the boat too much. Um, and it's like, you, you know, you know what they've been doing for, gosh, you know, the last, um, yeah, so many years. Uh, we're talking at least a dozen, not, uh, you know, maybe tens, but, um, you know, you just want them to be more authoritative. Like, come on. Is it really worth it all? Like, but hey, um, I'm working two jobs now, so can't take my advice necessarily. But um, you know, it's gonna be an interesting schedule going forward, and um, yeah, you know. But I'm at least gonna stay in the trivia game, so I got that going for me, and that's really being a lot of fun. Uh, I do occasionally slip up with, you know, oh, yeah, I'm a lot older than you guys. And, oh, yeah, I'm still trying to get as woke as I could be. So might let the wrong word slip out. Uh, but, hey, I'm with a great bunch of guys and gals who will put me in my place. And I immediately acknowledge when I screw up. Don't fight it, you know. So... Um, yep, so if you want to see me in the real world, you can go to Poor Boys on, uh, Poor Boys on, um, Thursday nights in Champagne, and, hey, try to kick my ass in trivia, or hell, try to join us. (laughs) So, there's times, and those actually seem to be pretty good times for us. The important thing, though, is I gotta get to the bar at this, uh, hotel, get a shot of tequila and hope things will pick up from there good things happen when i have tequila and gosh um finally opened a bottle of the uh classic mezcal i can't remember the name off the top of my head um with the worm in the bottom and like oh gosh that is like you know it kind of wish that was the drink of choice in uh, chicago wrestling because it's you know just gives you a little more just a, it's got enough bite, but not too, so many levels that, you know, Malort doesn't stand up to it. But, you know, it's weird because Malort was, grew big in a lot of Hispanic areas. So maybe I don't know what's going on. So, but yeah, um, that is the life in a nutshell, I should say, I guess. I am. Sorry if I'm screwing everything up again. I've got my uh, um, phone in my hand. Yeah, trying to wrap this all up for you. Thanks for listening, you know, most importantly, because, um, you know, it's not anything without you. And um, 
So uh, just pulling up that mezcal. Yeah, no, it's Monte Alban mezcal. So I can't wait to get that little worm. <laughs> and um, I can't wait to get back on the show with some guests. Hopefully that'll be the case this uh, next weekend. And if you want to be that guest, though, you know, I've still got time in my life. So it's not going to be that crazy. Uh, send an email to rustthebus07 at gmail.com. That's R-U-S-S-T-H-E-B-U-S-07 at gmail.com. Offer me a movie, a director, an actor, a theme. Try to focus on sub-100-minute material, but if you've listened to the show, I am more than willing to uh, bend over backwards to make some exceptions. So love to hear from you there. Otherwise, if you um, want to really help the show out, rate and subscribe on your favorite podcast apps. Uh, five-star reviews preferred. You can talk all the shit you want about the show in the review, but you know, you're helping a friend out. And I will make things better if I got the feedback. Uh, if you don't want to mess around with that kind of stuff, though, you can always follow me on Twitter. The username is at CatBusRuss. Feel free to just talk shit there. It's a lot better dealing with that than um, the uh, conservatives and people who don't. I don't, like, that was something. I have a teammate who was saying, you got to be ready to lead the revolution at your age. And it's like, yeah, I just think we just got to get rid of Republicans first, and then we can go and go all nuts with everything. So I am that ultimate liberal voice, I mean, leftist voice. It's just like, but there is a system in place. I'm willing to play by it. So, um, yeah, that's me. <laughs> so uh, it's been a little nuts not having my uh, cat Ava with me on this trip. Um and, you know, thinking about her, obviously, I mean, think about Skimble Shanks. And, you know, I hope Stacia's loving every moment she has with that little fluff ball, the one-eared angel. Uh, I hope that makes things easier looking after my ass. But she's my inspiration. She's a real muse, freaking Xanadu. Um, I know she's looking after me, and I hope she's doing the same for everybody she touched in her life. So... I think that's all the formalities on the show. Thanks again for coming at the 90 for Chill, the podcast. And I will see you guys, or you will hear from me next week. I'd love to hear from you. Again, email russbus07 at gmail.com. Catbus Russ on Twitter. Mastodon is Russ Stevens at, sorry, at Mastodon, at Russ Stevens at Mastodon.social. That was the thing that Neil Gaiman got on. So that's why that's my server. It's a lot simpler than it sounds. Let's make all, let's get away from the platform where a man can make his engineers bring his tweets up to everybody. What a twat that Elon Musk. And I think that's a great way to end the show. And stop.